welcome to Sweet Silver Song, the podcast in which we share our memories of our favourite football club, Liverpool. My name is Mark Kerr, I work as a tour guide at Anfield, but these podcasts are all done independently of the club and they're made by Anfield Insiders with Love. This episode is brought to you by Proactive Dispatch, a Northwest based same day courier company which covers the whole of the UK. Our sponsors have told me all kinds of wonderful things to say about them, but I prefer to tell you a story, how they helped Stephen Gerrard score a goal for England in the World Cup. He was at the England training camp in England and he realised he needed some more boots. So Proactive Dispatch collected them, delivered them the same day. He went off with the England squad to the World Cup in Germany and he scored England's opening goal wearing the boots that Proactive Dispatch got to him the same day. If you want that kind of service with a smile, then contact Proactive Dispatch. Today I'm joined by two guests who are here to talk about Liverpool in the 1950s and in the second division days. First of all, I've got Bob Williams. Bob works with me as a tour guide at Anfield and he has a season ticket in the main stand and he saw his first game back in 1954. Hello, Bob. Good morning. And I'm also joined by John Coburn, who also works with me as a tour guide at Anfield. And John has a season ticket in the... Lower Kenny. Lower Kenny. And he tells me he's had it for about 18 years, 19 years. But how long did he wait for your season ticket, John? 17 years. 17 years, wow. Good on the list. That was, that was short because it's up to about 28 years now, isn't it? Yeah. It's closed, isn't it? Yeah. 37,000. Yeah. When they opened the Anfield Road stand, one of the ladies who works at Anfield was at the briefing, the, you know, the annual briefing that we have. She said she just got hers after 28 years in wow. the uh, upper mm-hmm. Anfield Road. Mm-hmm. My name is Mark Kerr. I also was a season ticket holder and I saw my first game comparatively recently to these two gentlemen. My first game was in 1965. Bob, I think, saw the earliest game between the three of us back in, was it 1954? It was December 1954. Could you remember who we were playing against? I certainly. The first game I went to was a reserve game. OK. The first team were playing away in Birmingham against Birmingham City. As it happened, it's a, it's a game which is of great significance in Liverpool's history. I was six at the time, and I remember being at the reserve game. And I remember at half-time when they used to put the scores up around the pitch. Mm. You know, they used to put the letters A, B, C, D and the scores against them, the half-time scores. Liverpool were 4-1 down against Birmingham at half-time. So we weren't very happy, me and my brother, who took me to the game. He was 10. But as the reserve game finished, a rumour swept around the ground that Liverpool had turned it around in, Bir- in Birmingham and it was actually 5-4 for wow. Liverpool. And we were all excited. <laughs> and in those days, when the game finished, um, they used to put the Liverpool score up in the paddock, which in those days was in front of the main stand. And we waited for about 10 minutes and everybody's looking towards the paddock because we were waiting for the <coughs> Liverpool official to come out and hold up the score on two boards. And he came out and he put the score up and it was Birmingham 9, Liverpool 1. Wow. And uh, it's, of course, Liverpool's record ever defeat. Yeah. And uh, as I say, I was six at the time and I remember walking home 
from the game to Edge Lane, just never stopped crying all yeah. the way home. Yeah. It wasn't the best introduction to Liverpool Football Club. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you weren't at that match, it was, you were at the reserve game. Do you yeah. remember what the score was in the reserve match? Not I can't remember, <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> no, I don't blame you. No. I, I did read a little <clears throat> report on the match and it said that the pitch was frosty but had a muddy surface right. over the top of the frost. And the, the club said the players had the wrong studs in. Okay. And that's why they got beaten so heavily. Oh, well. So yeah. they kept the same team for the following match. And do you know what happened in the next game? We played Doncaster Rovers in the next game. I can't remember. We got beat 4-1. <laughs> exactly the same <laughs> team. Hammered, yeah. so, and, Somewhere wrong with that team. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And of course, <laughs> December 54, this was our first season in the second division, wasn't it? Yeah. Since we got relegated. Yeah, it was. And it was the only game, the only reserve game I went to that year. Mm. The first game I went to to watch the first team was in December 1955. And uh, that was against Nottingham Forest. Uh -huh. mm. And I, I can remember sitting on the bar at the front of the cop and Liverpool won 5-2. Mm. And it was Jimmy Mealy's debut. And mm. um, Skinhead, they used to call him, didn't they? What, even then, when he made his debut? <laughs> I don't know about then, but it was his debut, and he scored on his debut. Right. But what I also remember was this fantastic player that Liverpool had, Billy Little. He got a hat-trick wow. in that game, and Liverpool won 5-2. So I think that really, that was my first, real first-team game, mm -hmm. and I think that was it for me. I was hooked. What about you, John? Do you remember your first match? I think it was Ipswich, because there was one player stood out for me. I was in the, uh, what is now the Kenny Daglish stand yep. at the front because you stood, the stand was behind you and he was on the left wing for it and I was fascinated by this guy. He had long baggy shorts, he had very, very skinny legs and, and he was bald, you know, but he was a good footballer. He had no pace, but he could pass a ball well. That was his big strength and he was quite an ever-present for them at the time. And I think they just won the league and come up from the second division. Must have been 61, was it? Something yeah, they like got promoted that. in 1961 and yeah. won the league in 62. Yeah. That's the, the game season. that stands out for me. So my memory's telling me that's what it must have been. But I do remember going in the boys' pen when it was at the cop. I know the boys' pen moved around the ground a bit, didn't it? It used to be in the Kemlin Road stand, as it was called at one point. Yeah. Well, when I went to the boys' pen... And it was in the cop. It was in the cop. It was the in the cop, right and I actually corner. went in it. It was horrible place. Yeah. It could be quite brutal, couldn't it, the, the <laughs> uh, boys' pen? <laughs> well, there's, there's two schools of thought. Uh, one is that the boys' pen was formed to cage the boys in to protect the rest of the cop from them. <laughs> but it was a bit wild inside the boys' oh. pen, wasn't it? Because you get guys there with full-grown beards who <laughs> yeah. claim to be under 14. Yeah. <laughs> well, when we used to go with the boys' pen, we used to actually... Squeeze through the bars yeah. and into the cup. Yeah, there were some good climbers in the pen though, because they could get <laughs> over the fence, you know. Yeah. yeah, they'd throw pies over and then just end up with a fight to get this pie, you know. There was always a fight in the boys' oh, pen. Yeah. Who threw the pie in? Fellas in the cup. Oh, right, oh, just as, like feeding the birds and yeah, they all come like around. Feeding the, feeding the beasts, yeah, and just let them go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was like an apprenticeship, really. And you went from the, from the boys' pen to the cup. You'd spend time in a cop before you had someone and you got a season ticket and you started sitting at the mm. side. Yeah, it was a rough days, rough, rough old stadium, wasn't it? I do remember one guy came up to me and said, give us your money. I said, I haven't got any money. <laughs> and I, I think the dad would give me sixpence or something to buy 
whatever, some sweets. But I wasn't going to give him that. So he said, give me your program. And I collected programs. And there was no way I was going to hand over my program. So I said, well, I'll just go and get it. And I walked off and walked towards, there was always a couple of bobbies in there. And I just walked towards a policeman and he, and he didn't follow me. He left me alone then. But I do remember, as I was leaving the boys' pen at the end of the game, this Bobby had this lad. And on the floor was like programs, <laughs> coins, oh, all kinds. Yeah. Obviously, empty his pocket and it all come out, you know. Mm. Another another game that sticks out for me was the Worcester City. Oh, don't remind me. And it was a midweek. It game. was. It and was. I was at school and I came mm. home. Mm. And my mother said we got beat. 2-1. Two, 2-1. One. Two, one. Wow. Worcester City. And I mean, I was absolutely devastated at that absolutely, time. Yeah. Not surprised because Worcester City weren't even in the league, were they? I know, you know. We were in the second division. Well, was this was... To, we didn't have Shankly then, of course. That was, no, that was uh, what's his name? The Phil Taylor. Phil Taylor, yeah. Mm. Yeah, it was 1959, yeah. FA Cup, wasn't it? That's right, yeah. He went just shortly after that, mm. didn't he? I think that was obviously a, a watershed, wasn't it, in our yeah. history? That was Birmingham 9 1 was bad, but, but was, at least they were in the same division as us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Worcester were several levels below us in the league pyramid, yeah. oh. presumably amateur or semi pro. I think they were in the Southern League or something Southern like league, that. Southern League, something like that. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, it could have been any league, but it yeah. could have been Sunday League, couldn't it? It was embarrassing. <laughs> it was embarrassing. The good news was, within a few months, Phil Taylor had resigned. Mm. In came Bill Shankly in December mm. 59. In the Second Division days, is there any particular games you remember that were memorable? Yeah. I always think back to games against Doncaster Rovers. And it was in the days when they used to play a team twice over Christmas. Yeah. And Easter as well. Yeah. And this particular year, Liverpool played against Doncaster Rovers away from home. And it was really icy, apparently. Mm. But Billy Little got injured in the away game. Mm. And they uh, weren't sure whether he would play in the return game a couple of days later. What had happened is he'd gone up for a high ball for a cross and him and the Doncaster Rovers centre-half had clashed heads. And Billy, as I say, was he, he thought he wouldn't be able to play in the return game, but thankfully he did. And I remember him running out of the tunnel onto the pitch at the start of the game and he had a big, big bandage round his head. Mm. The centre-half of Doncaster Rovers ran out. And do you know who it was? It was a man who used to be on The Comedians. Charlie Williams. Charlie Williams, yeah. It was him. And uh, he got some terrible stick from the crowd because he'd injured Billy. Yeah. <laughs> but that was, they were games I always remember. Were you at the game when uh, the referee blew against Man City? When the referee... It wasn't at the game, that, because it was at school. Yeah. <clears throat> because it was a Wednesday it was afternoon. Snowed. It was all snowing and yeah. everything. And he, 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 Billy Little shot yeah. and went in. Yeah. And as he shot, VAR had been there. It would have been, referee put his hand up, he'd blown for time, yeah. and it went in. It was uproar. But oh, absolutely. Because he'd drawn the yeah. away game. Yeah. This was an FA Cup. They brought them back to Anfield. Yeah. They'd yeah. in the second division, City riding high. He used to play him in midweek in the afternoon. Yeah. Well, no floodlights then, of course. No floodlights, of course, mm -hmm. but you get a full house. Yeah. It's a bit similar, I suppose, to the World Cup match when Brazil scored. And Clive Thomas yeah. blew the whistle as the ball Clive was on Thomas his way to the goal. Yeah. From the corner, from the corner, from the wasn't, corner it, yeah. Yeah. wasn't he the first? He booked Tommy Smith at uh, Main Road. And I think it was the first time Tommy had been booked. Clive Thomas. First of many. And, but he did it not for a tackle, for what he said. Mm. 
and he got away with murder with a lot of his tackles, but he's, for some of Tommy's head, <laughs> little guy was, but he, they yeah. were tough referees. It must have been tough to book Tommy Smith. I don't think I'd have yeah. been booking him. Talking about games, I mean, there were so many games, really. It's more the ground that I remember. Mm-hmm. Because in those days, of course, if Liverpool were kicking towards the Anfield Road then in the first half, when you were kids, you'd get you behind the goal. Yeah, and then, then you'd run round. When you, they were kicking into the cop in the yeah. second half, you'd walk around the pitch to At get behind time, the cop yeah. goal, which obviously you could do in those days. You can't do it now. Yeah. And the other thing I always remember, you'll remember this, John, was um, the photographers. Yeah. <laughs> all standing on the halfway line, 20 of them, yeah. waiting to see which way Liverpool were kicking. And as soon as they knew which way Liverpool were kicking, they'd all run up that end. dash behind that goal <laughs> yeah. and get the, the best That's positions. Right. You know. And they had all the gear with them and everything. They're all running a lot with all this stuff. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. So, John, uh, I believe there were some players from the past that you remember with great affection from mm. the 1950s. I wouldn't say great affection. Um, I mean, I remember signing Davy Hickson and good player, centre forward, could score goals. Yeah. But there was one occasion to, I'm not sure it was the last game he played, but he gave two fingers to the cop when he'd missed the sitter. And he was finished after that because you just didn't mm-hmm. do things like that. Before we got Dave Hickson, to give it the background, where did we sign him from? It was Evan, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. yeah. Which was rare. And his first game for Liverpool was against Aston Villa. Yeah. And Liverpool won 2 1, and yeah. he scored both goals. That's what I mean. He was one was a flying header. Good signing. Mm. But towards the end, didn't he go to Tranmere after us? Mm. He wasn't as deadly as he was when yeah. he first came. Fred Molyneux. Yeah, fullback. Uh, fullback. The kindest word you could use about most of them was they were average. <laughs> they were, really. Never stand out <clears throat> players for you. <clears throat> but we had Jimmy Melia and we had another go- another midfielder, Jimmy Arrowa, who I used to like. Scottish. Scottish. And we had Bert Slater as a goalie. Mm-hmm. Small. He was one of the tiniest goalies that had ever played for Scotland. Okay. He was only little. And he was only small. We had uh, Molyneux. So Fred Molyneux, was he fullback? Yeah. Yeah. He said he was average, but what was his strengths and weaknesses? Um, he could kick. No, he was a good tackler, but yeah. he had no pace, really, for right. me. But, I mean, he was just a solid guy. I mean, he wasn't not a world-beater. He, he wouldn't survive in this sort of game these days. But he was an honest player. But that was as bad as well, much as I could say I, about it. I never saw him play, but the reason why I asked about him was I went to this house in Warrington. As I went into in the back room of the house, on the walls were these black and white photographs of a guy in Liverpool kit, but the old kit with the white shorts and the red stripe down the sides. And I said to the lady, obviously there's a picture of a Liverpool player. She said, yeah, that's my husband. I said, oh, what was his name? She was Fred Molyneux. Mm-hmm. She said he'd be home soon if you want to have a word with him. And I was like, couldn't wait to talk to him. And he was there when Shankly arrived, apparently. Mm-hmm. He was. A lot of those guys, he gave everybody who he inherited, every player he inherited got a game before he signed anybody. He gave them a chance, didn't he? Mm-hmm. He wanted to see what he had. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, 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 I mean, Alan course. Alan Acott, who lived in Heighton. Well, I know he, he came to our school to do a coaching session. I've never seen so many kids turn up for coaching that day mm. as he because he was playing for England then. Oh, yeah. yeah, he was in the World Cup. Yeah. He went to school with my brother. Good player, Alan Acott. He was a good player, wasn't he? Yeah, left winger. And he had lots of players like Johnny yeah. Evans. And oh, Johnny Evans, yeah. And 
I mean, we had a lot of players who were good, but not good enough. Mm. And he went through them all and saw them all, made some choices and got rid of a lot. Just going back to Fred Monnier, just to finish the story. So when he came home and uh, his wife introduced me and I was talking about his playing days at Liverpool and uh, I said, what difference did Shankly make? You know, in terms of like team preparation or, or mm. training and he goes, oh, he said it was like night and day. He said before he came, he'd just be lapping the pitch, you know, endlessly yeah, and yeah. cross-country runs. We'd run down to Melwood and back. When Shankly came, that all changed. We, we we got the coach down to Melwood. We warmed up properly. Then we did like sprints, a lot of sprints. Lot, and then down after the, the preparation on uh, for, for the physical side, we then went into actual uh, ball skills. And mm. he said it was it was really was night and day. He said, but the biggest difference was there was one game he played in. He said then he got roasted by the winger, and the previous manager would have just said nothing and dropped him. But Shankly took him to one side on the training on a Monday. He says, hey, son, he says, hey, he had a few problems there. He says, easy. We're going to work with you. He said, Bump, Bump and uh, Ruben are going to work with you. He said, literally after the training session finished, he had then sort of one-to-one training. And basically, they were teaching him not get committed to sort of be able to just hold his space and hold his line. And he did repeated drills with him over and over till in the end he kind of knew what was expected of him. He said that was the difference. Mm-hmm. Like Shankly actually recognised when players needed help on their individual games and would help them and work with mm-hmm. them. When Shankly started to get his, his presence felt, we developed a style of play. Stayed with us really right through till Roy Evans was manager. A, mm-hmm. sim- a, a style of play that was quick to get the ball back. Pass and if, and if you yeah passing pass and move all the time give it to a red shirt if you're not sure give it to a red shirt the game simply always used to say pass it to a red shirt if you're mm. not sure and it, we kept the ball and we got it became a better team and it, the confidence grew in the side mm. no matter who was playing we were starting to be comfortable on the ball so before Shankly what was the playing style like if there was indeed a playing style. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was certainly more long ball yeah. Than, yeah. than the sort of lovely pass and move, you know, the one-touch stuff that Shankly introduced. Yeah. I wouldn't say they had a, a real identity as a football team. No, we didn't. Team. I wouldn't say we had an identity You know, at all. when they were in the second division. Like, Cloppy's changed the way we do it now. Mm. But it, it followed through. If you look at old videos, we've, they all score goals the same way. They're all the passes the same, no matter who was in the shares. It's the same type of, of game, pass and move. Always make yourself available. If you're not sure, give it to a red shirt. Mm. It was successful. So, it was simple, but successful. So in, in the 50s then, was it more of an individual play? You like with Billy Little sort of I think they men. relied more on the likes of yeah. Billy Little. Yeah. You know, too much really. He named the place after him, didn't he? <laughs> Liverpool. Yeah, he was right. that dominant. <laughs> He was the best player by miles, wasn't he? He was a terrific player. Yeah, he represented uh, the Great. Remember the Great Britain team. Now he was uh, one of only two players yeah. to play in both Great Great Britain teams against Leicester, wasn't he? There was him. Yeah. Yeah. Stanley Matthews. Stanley Matthews. So yeah. Billy Little on the left wing, <coughs> Stan Matthews on the right wing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Well, I I can remember, you know, back in the mid mid fifties, going on the tram mm-hmm. from Edge Lane to go to the game sometimes and once I saw Billy Little on the tram with his boots mm. going and that was a that was a common yeah. 
Because he, he had an office in the town, in city, in the city, didn't he? He was a he was an accountant. An accountant, yeah, and he had enough. And a, a, an interesting fact is that my wife's grandmother, who lived in Albert Edward Road in Kensington, she used to put Liverpool players up. Mm. Um, you know the youngsters who used to come to the club, and Billy Little was one of the people that she actually. Um, had living with him, yeah. you know what? When he settled in, oh. when he came down from Loch Gelly Violets, I think it was in Scotland. What a name! <laughs> Apparently, when he's, he's one of the reasons why he chose to play for Liverpool, to sign for them, was that his parents were anxious he had a, a career other than football, mm-hmm. and Liverpool promised that he would be allowed to do his accountancy exams, mm-hmm. and he would only have to train two days a week. Uh, the rest of the time he could devote to his accountancy. Mm. Because of course, as you, as you were saying, footballers weren't very well paid in those days. Yeah. He yeah. had to get public transport to yeah, the match and absolutely. stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, it was well before the days of Johnny Ains mm. breaking the record. That's right. For £20 a week, I think he was. £100 paid. a week. So he went to 100 He was the he? first £100 yeah. a week footballer. Yeah. 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 To put that into context. The average was about 20 wasn't it, at that time? And it went up to 100 you know. there was a Well, there was a maximum wage, wasn't there? It was £10, pound, wasn't it? I, varied. I think yeah. ultimately it might have been thirty pounds mm. a week, but there was a maximum wage. Mm. It was it was Jimmy Hill, wasn't it? Jimmy Hill, who, who yeah. was the PFA chairman, mm. and he was going to organise a strike, wasn't he? Of the mm. footballers. Mm. John, uh, you're going to tell us about a player called Dick White. Yeah, centre half. Uh-huh. He was there prior to Ron Yates coming. Obviously, my first away game was at Sheffield United the three-sided stadium, because they had a cricket pitch on one side. Mm. And well, my mother took me down to Lawrenson's coaches in Bootle. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm waiting to get on the coaches. And I'm, I'm going on my own. I didn't have a ticket, but you could go and buy a ticket. We're standing there, and this fellow said to, this bloke said to my mother, she, he said, don't worry, love, we'll all look after him. He'll be okay. You know, he'll stick with us. And he said, you stick with me, I'll get you a ticket. And we waited outside the player's entrance and Dick White came out, the captain, as he was then, and he gave us two tickets. Mm. And that's, remember him from that, because they were good seats, they were right in the main stand, over, and it was in the middle, and you, all you could see on the far side was these cricket pitches. Yeah. This cricket pitch, and they had ball boys there to get the ball, because if mm. it went, it'd go for miles, yeah. you know, if it went out of play. And, and that, that was why I remember him. He was... An average player, Dick White. He didn't last much longer because he brought Ron Yates in. He was our skipper that day. Mm. He got us a ticket to go in. <laughs> I seem to remember we got beat in that game as well. Nice. I think Dick White scored an own goal as well. Yeah, I actually worked at Bramall Lane for a season. I was a steward. I was at uh, Sheffield Poly, as it was then. It's now Sheffield Hallam University. And on the notice board, the Sheffield United Football Club was saying, yeah, we're looking for match day stewards. So yeah. I went down and, and started working there. And after the game, we had to go back to the cricket pavilion behind yeah. the stand because they built a stand by this time on the side of the pitch. But there was a huge amount of space behind it where the cricket field had been. That's where the club secretary used to hang about. And he, he had bags of cash there off the turnstiles and stuff. And he'd pay us in cash. We had to sign a little sheet to yeah. get our money. Yeah. yeah, Be careful, the tax man will be coming after you after all that length of time. <laughs> <laughs> this is 1974, 75 season, so yeah, he's welcome yeah. to tax me. Yeah. So talking about own goals, any memories of any other own goals? 
Oh, yes, Sandy Brown. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what a goal that, that was, was beautiful, wasn't it? Wasn't it? Yeah, talk, please, Bob, talk us through it. Well, I don't know. I just remember it was that good or something, wasn't it? Yeah. And a ball came in from the wing and he rose like an eagle and just bulleted it past his own goalkeeper. I'll never forget it. It was a, it was a fantastic effort. Yeah. <laughs> Centre-forwards goal. Yeah, it was, was a yeah. wonderful effort. And, uh, I remember uh, one Tony Ailey scored. Oh, he's got an own goal. No, 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 no. Oh, so you're talking about own goals? No, carry on. No, carry no, on. no, he didn't. You, you carry on, yeah. No, it was, he, he scored in the in the cup end, the diving header. It was, it was only must have been what foot off the ground. Yeah, and he scored mm. with a dive. He put his foot, he put his head in where he, they wouldn't even dream of doing it these mm. days. There is a rumor regarding Tony Haley that Anfield's postcode, which is L four zero T H. Is because of a game where he scored four goals for Liverpool. I've heard that one. We won four nil, <laughs> and it was Liverpool four nil. Tony Hately. That's why we got our post good. No, <laughs> I suspect. I think there's a bit of a, yeah, a, a, bit of a license yeah. on that one. Yeah, I suspect it's uh, people have gone back and thought, well, let's make up a story about that how he, how he acquired this postcode. But yeah, but there was a game we played Walsall. I think it might be in the League Cup midweek game, and it was very foggy. And uh, Haley scored a few goals in that Six game. Six one, I think it was. Hmm? Six one. Six one. And uh, were you there, Bob? Yeah. Yeah. So apparently, the cop would just sing, "Who scored the goal?" Yes. Yeah. And yeah. the Anfield Road would reply with, yeah. so reply, yeah. Haley. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> oh God! That's some fantastic, uh, you know, things with with the cop chants. And I mean, Gary Sprake when he played for Leeds. Oh, when he threw the ball into his own net. I mean, yeah. they started singing Curless Hands, didn't they? Oh, amazing. I mean, that's Gordon, one of the there was great also, things um, about the cop. Wasn't it Gordon West? Gordon West? There was another one with, when he was at Evan. He threw it in his own goal. I don't I, remember that. I don't remember that. But I remember... Uh, I, I remember Everton scoring two own goals in one game at mm. Anfield. Mm. Remember that? I remember Jamie Carrick had scored in two own he goals. He scored two in about, yeah, in about yeah. 15 Man United, yeah. Man United, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But... I mean, it was a derby game, and almost from the kickoff, Liverpool attacked the uh, Everton goal at the Anfield Road end. And I remember the Everton fans all taking the mickey out of Ray Clemens, calling him Mary for some reason. God knows why, but it was Mary, Mary. <laughs> and uh, he threw the ball out, and we went down the, down the wing, crossed it, and as he crossed the Everton box, it hit Tommy Wright's foot, and it bounced off his foot and into his own goal. <laughs> and then in the second half, at the cop end, John McLaughlin, not our. We had a player called John McLaughlin, but yeah, Everton had a player called John McLaughlin. Yeah. He looked a bit like Jimmy Mealy, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. going bald, yeah. and he scored an own goal in the cup. So in the same game, Everton scored two own goals and we beat them four 0 Great, <laughs> good. Yes, <laughs> couldn't happen to a nicer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but Jamie Carragher's two own goals. That was yeah. amazing, wasn't it? Oh yes, they were cop and cop. In the cop end, they were in the cop end yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah. On it, and this again, Jimmy Carragher trying to clear it, puts it to his own goal. Who'd have won that game if he hadn't done that? <laughs> yes, <laughs> what was the score? Is it 3 2? 3 2, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so, let's talk about uh, the goalkeepers from that uh, era. So, who's yeah. the first goal you remember seeing us? The first goal when I went to that uh, Notts Forest game, which yeah. was my first first team game, and I think I think it was Underwood who was in goal for Liverpool. Yeah. Right. I don't really remember a lot about him, yeah. no. but I saw a few goalkeepers: Underwood, Dougie Rodham, 
Um, Tommy Younger. Mm. Now, he was a fantastic goalkeeper. Um, he was the captain of Scotland. Oh, yeah. Um, but what I always remember about Tommy Younger was that when he came onto the pitch at the start of the game, he would sprint from the from the from the where the dugout was right down to the cock. Mm. He'd do that every single time. But he was a terrific goalkeeper. Yeah. He used to wear always wore a bright yellow top. top. And then of course there've been other goalkeepers, haven't there? I mean Jim Fernell, yeah. Slater, yeah. Tommy Lawrence. I mean yeah. just Well Fernell was was understudy the year we won promotion. Yeah. Tommy Lawrence, I mean I I was amazed when he got into the first team because yeah. he didn't particularly have a great career in the reserves because he was in the reserves for a while and yeah. I remember one particular game that I went to in the reserves when Liverpool lost to Manchester United at Anfield I think it was something like 6-5 and at least half of those goals were the fault of of, of Tommy, of Tommy. Yeah. but it, it, when he came into the game I mean he was t into the first team he was terrific wasn't he mm -hmm. but I always remember the tackle he did on um the Sheffield Wednesday centre forward used to call him Bronco Lane. And yeah, uh, yeah. he was cleaned through in the Anfield Road end, about to smack the ball into the net. And Tommy Lutton ran out and took him waist high. Oh. <laughs> it was, um, that, I think that was the reason why he got the nickname the flying, pig. flying Pig. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was an incredible <laughs> challenge. And yeah. He didn't get sent off, he yeah. should have been. Yeah, well, yeah. he would have done these days, wouldn't he? Like, but he was a good goalie, Tommy yeah. Lutton. Fearless. Yeah. Oh, he was fearless. He'd go down at the feet and that. Absolutely. Would he dive at the feet and mm. and stuff? Not so sure <clears> he would have. He would have prospered in today's game. But yeah. <laughs> you know, the ball at his feet and yeah. passing out from the back. But, but. Sackley <laughs> called him the first sweeper keeper. Tommy Lawrence himself said, "I knew that if I came out out of a penalty area mm. and I brought the centre forward down, yeah. I'd get all I'd do is concede a free kick." I mean, he got, he got away with murder, Bill Shankly, didn't he, when you think about it? <laughs> he thought they were jokes, and we all did. We all laughed at them. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I, I suppose a lot of it was tongue-in-cheek. I do remember yeah. after we got beat 5-1 by Ajax. Mm -hmm. oh. As we called it back then, Ajax. Yeah. And Shankly <laughs> said, oh, it's a flash in the pan. We'll murder them back in the I know. I, I worked at Fords then. Whenever we had a European game, they'd cancel the start of the night shift, and they'd put it back two hours so we could all go to game. Oh, right. Seriously, yeah. and we went that game. I was totally convinced oh, yeah. we were oh, going to yeah. turn it round. I was on the cup. Yeah. We were going to turn it round. Yeah. And, of course, we were so outclassed by this team. It was just watching Cruyff and... 2-2 two -two it was, wasn't it? 2-2 two -two it was, yeah. But Dad went to the game and he said two, two things. One was he could hardly see in the first half because mm. it, was, it was quite a it was foggy. night. Yeah. It was. And he said, and all the steam right yeah. up the yeah. was uh, wet clothes. Yeah. It was, the cop was in his miasma of fog. <laughs> well, it was foggy. Wasn't it foggy in Amsterdam, though? Oh, it was and he blamed the fog. In Amsterdam, it was. He blamed the fog for yeah. the defeat, didn't he? Yeah. He said, we couldn't see, but they could. Yeah. <laughs> he the, made the, some statements about they knew the fog better than we did. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Two things about that. First of all, in that game, Ajax changed their kit and the home tie for them, our away leg. And they wore all white. Mm. So they had a slight advantage. They could see a little bit better where their players mm. were because we wore the all red. Secondly, they played much more of a sort of passing game yeah. and a very close passing game and a version of total football, I suppose. Yeah. We just couldn't cope with it.
You see them doing it now, the rondos, don't they call these rondo, yeah, rondo don't yeah, they? Yeah. It was Cruyff who developed all that, yeah. really. Yeah. And quick passing. Amazing player. Amazing, absolutely so, amazing player. So the home game, yeah. with, you know, we're 5-1 down. And, uh, the other thing my dad said was, we used to have this kick-off routine where the ball would be knocked back to Gordon Milne at right half. And he oh, then yeah. hit it over to the left wing to Thompson. Oh. And it, Thompson would then... Try and go up on the outside of the fullback or cut inside and have a shot. It hardly ever worked, but the uh, Ajax game at Anfield, it did work. And he cut inside and he hit his right foot shot and it thundered against the crossbar. Mm. And he said, If that had gone in, I think we might have done it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it didn't. Yeah, it didn't. Oh. Then I had to go to work. I had to go to night shift then at Fords after that. Mm. <laughs> so deflated I was. But, so who scored know. the two goals for Ajax that night? God. I think Cruyff got one, didn't he? Cruyff got both. Did he get both? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was, what a footballer. I think he was 17. What a footballer Fantastic he was. Player. But you know, the, the manager of Ajax developed all this type of football. Rhinus Michaels. That was him. Yeah. 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 The other thing that was unique about that home game was it's the only time in our history ever that we changed our kit. Because <laughs> we wore an away kit. Mm. We'd worn our home kit in the away tie. And then when he came to Anfield, because they had a normal they, kit, they, they had wore, white with a they had a red band across, yeah, yeah, didn't yeah. they? Yeah. Like yeah. a red apron, yeah. yeah. And what kit did we wear, remember? <sighs> we wore yellow shirts and black shorts for some reason. Oh God, no wonder we got wow. beat. <laughs> we kind of deserved to get beat just for the kit, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that was the only time in our entire history that we wore an away kit at home that I know oh, of, right. and. Right. Another unique thing about kits, the Jabrakovic tie, mm. uh, which is the, the preliminary round in the first time we were in the European Cup. We wore our our normal kit of white shorts with a red stripe down the side yeah. and white socks with red socks. Anderlecht was the first time we wore it. That's the only time we wore that kit ever in Europe because we changed it in the next round, as you said, to the old red for Anderlecht. Yeah, because Anderlecht had... Uh, they had about eight of the Belgian team in, in, their, yeah. in their ranks who just beat England at Wembley. Well, it was two all, but they'd outplayed England. I thought they'd sure. beaten them. No, it was two all, but... They'd outplayed England yeah. and, um, yeah. you know, Liverpool. Shankly said they were the best team in the world and everything oh, yeah. else, didn't he? Well, that was what he yeah. used to do, build yeah. teams up. Yeah. And then at the end of the game, he said... He'd say know, things like Bobby Moore has been out on the pop last night and all this stuff, you know. <laughs> well, Ian St. John said before the Anderlecht home game, Unusually, most unusually, uh, Shanky got a, a whiteboard out with red counters for our players and blue counters for their players. And he went through the Anderlecht side and he says, They're right back. Okay, he's, he's, he's slow. He says, It's too slow to catch a call. They <laughs> took him off the board. And the centre forward, you know, he's, he's, uh, he's, he's passed it and he's got dandruff and whatever. And he went through all their players and left just three counters on the board. And Ian St. John said, well, what, those three bosses? He said, son, if you can't beat three players, you're no good to anybody. <laughs> and of course, when we beat them 3-0 in our, wearing our all-right kit for the first time, as they came off the pitch, Shaq said, boys, boys, do you know what you've just done? Beating the best team Beast in the world. Beast team in the world, yeah. Beast <laughs> beat the finest team in Europe. <laughs> it's funny, that all-red kit, I remember. And he ran out in all-red and wow. wow. But actually, the reds didn't match. No. You know, the shorts were a different colour to the shirts and it looked really tacky. Because it was a, must have been obviously a last-minute thing, wasn't it? You know? <laughs> yeah. As he said, it made Ron Yates look like 
the Colossus. Yeah. I remember we called it the Continental Kit. Mm. Yeah, you refer to it in for the so league games. We, league went, games back we went back to, to the yeah. traditional mm. kit with the yeah. white shorts. I had that kit that with the white, the white stripe down the side. We also wore it for the FA Cup ties that season. Right. And of course, we went on to win the FA Cup for the very first time in our history. So, mm. having got to the European Cup semi final and won the FA Cup for the first time, wearing this all red kit, I mean, yeah. I presume that's why we kept it. It, was, it well, became a lucky kit for us. Lucky mm. kit. Yeah. It wasn't a question of selling shirts in them days, was no. it? You know, right. you didn't have a club shop. <laughs> you couldn't buy a Liverpool kit. No. My first kit I got for Christmas. It was a Dennis Law kit. Right. So, because Man United had a similar kit to ours, but except their white shorts was, were playing, yeah. ours had a red stripe down the side. And they had black socks, didn't they, with the red No, they the had white socks, red tops then. Oh, did that they? season, yeah. So, it was very similar to our kit. I was so upset that it never red stripe down the sides for the shorts, so I insisted my mother sewed one, <laughs> sewed on, one on, which she did much against her better judgment. And of course, what happened the first time the shorts were washed? Yeah. It ran and they turned pink. Mm. Yeah. So you got some stick playing in them. Yeah. <laughs> but you buy an Everson kit, you can go to Jack Sharp's in town and you can get an Everson kit, but you couldn't buy a Liverpool kit. Mm. Crazy. Mm. Can you imagine the kid these days getting a Man United kit for Christmas when he's supposed to Liverpool? <laughs> <laughs> so we mentioned Billy Little earlier I never saw him play unfortunately how do you describe him as a player Bob? Oh, he's an absolutely amazing player um, he could he could head a ball harder than he could kick it wow. he had everything hmm. speed, control he, was, he, he scored loads of goals he was just a terrific He player. was a freak a of nature, really, player. wasn't he? But I'll always, yeah. I'll always remember the way he could head a ball. And the balls in those days, of course, were, you know, made of leather. And when they, when they got wet... The laces. Stuff. When they got wet as well, you know, yeah. they, were, they were like a, a, a lead weight. Yeah. And uh, he just used to climb, he'd go up above players and powered his head into the net. Remember that you picture know. of Ronnie Moran with it when he had in the ball where his head oh, was yeah, buried in the ball? Yeah, just amazing and sadly you know and it's probably happened with other players that sort of constant head mm. in the ball that yeah. heavy ball no contributed to mm. you know his, his Alzheimer's lovely man though if you met him even when he used to still come to the games if you mm. had to when I met him I introduced myself I said that's my son there <laughs> such a lovely guy no it's gentleman you, gentleman Absolute gentleman gentleman a fantastic player, and mm. I was lucky. I mean, I, I don't think I can remember the goals, but that first game that I went to against Nottingham Forest, he actually scored a hat trick. So, oh, and I was there for his last game, mm. his very last game for Liverpool, which was against Southampton, I think, um, in nineteen sixty. 60 or 61. Because mm. right. Ian Callaghan yeah. was coming through then, wasn't he? Uh, sorry, Ian Callaghan was coming through. Yeah. I saw him on his debut. And he was a tremendous player. His debut was against Bristol Rovers. Liverpool oh, won, no, no. yeah, Liverpool won four 0 and he was terrific. You know, eighteen year old or whatever he was, a fantastic player. But I remember Ian Callaghan coming in more than Billy, and what my dad told me about Billy Little, of course, it's like he saw him in his pump, his mm. pump, you know, and it was tremendous player. So, 
How much would he have been worth? Yeah, that's a question. <laughs> now, can you think of anybody comparable to him now and what he was then? Well, I mean, it's hard to say, isn't it? The game's changed so much. But he would have been, you know, one of your elite footballers and he would have gone for... Right and left foot, he could have. Oh, just a great player. Had everything. Great player. So he, could, he was a two-footed player, basically, yeah? Mm. Yeah, and fast. Could cut in from the wing. He could go to the byline. He could play down the centre. and He was just a, an all-rounder. He had everything. He had everything. That's all we have time for today. So I would like to thank our sponsors, Proactive Dispatch, who are same-day couriers across the UK from their base in northwest England. Proactive Dispatch are actively looking for owner-drivers who can provide a same-day delivery service um, anywhere across the UK, but particularly they're looking for drivers based in the northwest and the Midlands. So if you're smart, smiling, if you believe in delivering great customer service and you want to grow your business, then please contact Proactive Dispatch you can do it directly or via our website, sweetsilversong.co.uk, our Facebook pages or group, which is um, Sweet Silver Song, or you can email us directly, admin at sweetsilversong.co.uk. We are looking for sponsors for future episodes, so it can cost you a relatively small amount of money to help us to produce these episodes. And if you'd like to uh, also have a dedication to a loved one, then again, please contact us as before. And for a very minor contribution, we will uh, be pleased to name and dedicate an episode on your behalf of one of your loved ones. So that's all we have time for today. So until we meet next time, you'll never walk alone.